So this happened a few years ago. One summer, my sister decided they wanted to go to the Grand Canyon over the weekend and do a sunrise hike. So we packed our Friday night and drove 12 hours to Arizona. The drive was fun, sunrise was fantastic, everything was going well. We drove to Escalante the next night to do a hike at Zebra Slot Canyon, and afterwards, my sister said she really wanted to do a camp out at another landmark nearby. I guess one thing to know is that I'm pretty much a city dweller. I'll go car camping, but my sister calls it clamping. She's like the polar opposite of me in that respect. She'll go on all four tins with just two dogs and disappear in the mountain for days. She's a 5 nothing, 90 pound Asian girl, but that hadn't stopped her from picking up hitchhikers on her way to the backcountry. I used to get anxiety when I couldn't reach her in the mountains, so now we compromise by me having her GPS location at all times. I'm a stern older sister, and she's a carefree middle sister. Anyway, so we're backed up against the devil's thumb. There's nothing behind us in the desert. Perfect for a quiet night. As we're setting up, I'm startled seeing two guys walk through the desert behind us. They're dirty, and all their clothes are torn. They don't say much as they walk past us. I keep stalking in the tent, but tell my younger sister in Vietnamese to go get the knife from the car. I hear her respond in Vietnamese in a small voice, Pixis, can you help me? None of my siblings have ever used my proper Vietnamese title to address me. This startled me, and I shot up and look over to the side of the tent. There's a strange Asian girl standing next to my younger sister, who looks like she's too scared to move. She was the one who asked me for help in Vietnamese, not my sister. I have never heard or saw her approach us. She heard me speak in Vietnamese, and assumed we don't understand English. She tells us two guys have come back and that she'll handle it. She starts explaining to the three of us in broken Vietnamese that they just came back for their desert section and can't find their car. She asks if we could take them to their car. My middle sister, in her infinite wisdom, says sure. I on the other hand tell her kindly to F off because there's no way that's happening. She looks a little startled to realise that we're actually bilingual. The two guys look at each other. My sister's car would only fit five people, so let's say my sister takes them. There's no way in hell I'm letting her take three strangers alone. She asks if I could take them, and I leave my two younger sisters alone in the desert where I have no cell signal. Like I said, F off. So they get a little angry but ultimately leave. I immediately start packing up. My sister says I'm overreacting and they probably just needed help. I really didn't care. I tell them to go find someone nicer. So we're packed up and I move her car a few minutes down the path behind some trees to hide us from view. We're trying to get some service and I find us a glamping campground where we're less likely to be murdered. Sister's grumbling the whole time. My baby sister is terrified out of her mind. A little while later, they come roaring around the bend like they knew exactly where we were sitting. The girl rolls down a window and shouts something at us. My sister finally conceded that maybe something was off. We found the safe family campground and headed home the next day. Maybe it was nothing. Maybe I was paranoid. But dirty hippies in the desert, let's never meet.
About 15 years ago, I lived in Sulphur, Oklahoma. My playground, the Chickasaw National Recreation Park. I love the area so much. I rode more miles on my bike than anywhere else. I've walked nearly every trail and every road. Every day, I would ride my mountain bike up and down the trails and would be home by nightfall most days. One night, however, I rode out a bit further than usual. On my way back, I decided to ride down a trail of an area called Buffalo Springs, where they have live buffaloes roaming around in this large spring and fountain area for everybody to enjoy. As I was riding back, I knew the end of the trail was coming up and I'd have to cross Stone Bridge across the creek, then up the road was my home. It was dark at this time and all I had to use to see was the moon. I was maybe a few hundred yards from it when I get a sharp pain in my left thigh. I stopped and looked around to see what hit me. Then I heard a noise surrounding me like something was hitting the ground hard in front of me. There was a rock about the size of a baseball bat rolling across the trail. Me, confused, starts to look up at the side of the hill. Just as I turn my head to look, I almost fall off my bike when another rock comes flying down and hitting my front wheel. Finally, my eyes adjust to look and I see someone very tall and very dark covered in hair at the top of the hill, throwing things and screaming at me. I yelled I have a cell phone and was going to call the police. I didn't actually have one as I didn't have a cell phone yet. This seemed to annoy him. He started charging down the hill at me. I, for obvious reasons, took off on my bike. Just as I crossed the bridge, I heard a huge splashing noise in the creek and just saw a large rock that had been thrown. I was in the clear to go home but was frightened all the way. I went to the ranger station later the next morning and told the ranger about what happened and he said, So you were attacked by Bigfoot and started laughing. Then I said, I don't know what it was but something was trying to hurt me out there. He then said, Okay Justin, if I have any more Bigfoot I'll let you know where to get. I just said fine and left. The very next week I was riding in the daylight when PR pulled up next to me and said for me to get in. I asked why. He said he needed to show me something. We headed down to the police department in town. Before we got out of the car he turns to me and says, Justin, I have to offer you a huge apology. I'll be honest that I didn't believe when you told me the story of you being attacked. However it's come to my attention that a couple was out in the same area last night and was attacked in the same way saying they'd seen a large hairy creature throwing rocks and sticks and screaming at them. They called the police and they came out with the other rangers, including myself. I immediately thought about what you told me. When we arrived, I started uphill. Sure enough, we were having rocks and things thrown at us. Guns drawn and yelling, we tackled a man to the ground. He was six foot five, tall, naked, covered in mud and had long hair and a large beard. He had escaped from the veterans center at the veterans lake. Apparently, he thought he was back in Vietnam and was trying to take out the enemy. PR said I was very lucky because he was trying to kill me. We went inside so I could give my police statement and that was what happened. They had him sent to a more secure facility somewhere else. To this day, I still get shivers when I hike that trail and I always keep my eyes on the top of the ridge.
Years ago, when I was still a teenager, my friend Justin and I would often go longboarding at night, as my friends and I were quiet the night owls. We loved the freedom of almost never seeing another soul on the roads or the path we frequented. Even when using main roads, it would be very rare to see a car out so late in a rural area, and you could see and hear them coming from very far away due to the headlights and the noise of the vehicle disrupting the peaceful silence of night. We were really into it at the time, and would often ride our balls for miles and miles, sometimes not arriving home till sun was up. One particular night, we decided to ride a few miles away from our usual back roads to one of our favourite hidden routes. It began with a narrow, paved path that was only a piece of land separating two sides of a long lake. It would often sink due to rainwater, and we wanted to seize the opportunity before it rained and went underwater again. It was roughly two miles long, and was extremely relaxing to ride due to the scenery. After making it to the end of the lake, we decided to continue moving and turn into a very closed path that leads directly into the densely wooded wilderness. As we came up through the first hill, we looked down at the bottom into the blackness. We both noticed what appeared to be a tiny, moving ball of a dim light down there. It moved so strangely, and it was extremely difficult to make out what it was. Rather than shine our flashlight down, we curiously watched it for a few moments, whispering to each other about what it could possibly be. All at once, the small light turned into multiple blinding lights and extremely loud revving sounds, overwhelming our senses that had become accustomed to the dark and silence. Acting purely on fear, we instantly turned around and ran as fast as we could, hearing yelling and revving gaining behind us. By sheer luck, we managed to run off the path into a very dark, very overgrown hole in the side of the hill overlooking where we'd just come from. We decided to hide in the natural dugout in this hill, hoping that the plants in darkness would be enough to protect us from whatever was out there. We watched our pursuers ride up to where we had originally been standing. There were four men, two on four wheels and two on full-size motorcycles. They were yelling at each other about something, but we couldn't make out exactly what they were saying due to the distance we covered. We saw safe enough to whisper softly to each other and speculated who these people could be. Our first thought was that they might be park rangers of some kind, although we had never seen one out here the many times we'd been there, and honestly, we doubt this country even had the budget or even the desire to have anyone patrol the deep woods at night. Besides that, these men were on vehicles entirely inappropriate for the paved bike trails, and they were very angry about something. They yelled out to us for a while, yelling things like, We know you're out there! We can see you! Come out! We stayed silent and decided to call the bluff instead of running. Eventually, we clearly heard one of the men yell, Find them now! and smash a bottle. That had erased any hope that they were park rangers. We watched them split up, each going a different way down the series of paths on their vehicles, including the path we came from. It took us what felt like ages to even move. We were frozen in terror inside that dugout, watching the lights from the vehicles travel through the woods and paths. One of them already coming full circle and passing the point where he'd screamed from. I thought about calling out for help, but I was too afraid to open my phone in fear that the smallest amount of light would give away our location. After waiting for the lights of the vehicles to reach their farthest distance yet, we finally summoned the nerve to get up and run somewhere far enough away from these people to make a call. We ran as hard and fast as we could through the woods, since the headlights gave away the location on these paths. We would hide again whenever we thought they were getting too close. Our available hiding spots were getting progressively worse as the woods became less dense, and the fear I felt waiting for one of them to drive past us while basically only being covered by leaves and plants may still be unmatched to this day. We finally emerged from the woods onto the intersection of two main roads, far from where we started. We ducked down into the ditch to call for help. 
When I opened my phone, I noticed I had recent missed calls from one of our other friends, Connor, who was supposed to meet up with on a long pool excursion. I called him and frantically asked where he was. Blake was with us again. He hadn't given up on our plans despite ignoring him, and he was only a few miles away, already heading in our direction. I gave him the two streets we were near the corner of and explained that we needed to get picked up right away. He agreed and sped over to us while Justin and I waited hiding. Thankfully, Connor arrived before any of those men did. We bolted to the back seat of his car, yelling for him to get out of there, and he took off. Relief doesn't begin to describe what I felt with being safely driven home and everything I'd just experienced. After explaining everything that happened to Connor, we ended up just moving on with the night and decided not to call the police. We figured they would have gone by the time the officers made it out there anyway, and we would only be putting ourselves at risk by admitting to breaking the law by taking those paths so late at night. I have no idea what happened or who those people were. I've been told all kinds of theories from friends and family that have heard the story. Some think we walked right up into a huge drug deal. Justin and I later admitted to each other that when the revving started, we couldn't see. Our minds both went to chainsaw-wielding horror movie serial killer, so I suppose it could have been much worse. Frustratingly though, whatever those men thought we saw that made them want to catch us so badly, we never actually saw. We'll never really know, I suppose. This odd memory of mine I've been thinking about a lot because of the recent news of the Delphi murders, as the man I'm talking about looks similar to the first sketch, but this was 20 years ago and that sketch is now irrelevant. When I was 12, I lived in Flagstaff, Arizona. If you're not familiar with this part of Arizona, it's not what you think of when you think of Arizona. It's pine forest with mountains, and it snows in the winter. Anyway, across the street from my home was an entrance to some woods with paths. As my parents worked, I was the first one home after school. It was my responsibility to take the dog out. Usually, I would just take him inside the woods entrance so I'd have to pick up his crap outside the rocks. Usually, I was too scared to go into the actual woods. Even my dog, because he was stronger than me and didn't listen to me when we was outside. There were other reasons I didn't like the woods. Wolves, pack of wild dogs, sometimes cattle. Seriously, yeah. And of course, I thought it was haunted. But this day, I guess I felt adventurous and took him on a walk in the woods. We went pretty deep in that day, and didn't see another soul because it was 3pm and people were at work. Neighbourhood kids didn't really hang out back there either. Now, my dog was excited by anything that moved, and always went to greet another person. But on this day, on the way back, I remember him being really, really on edge, still pulling me along. He was ignoring the squirrels and the trees blowing in the wind. Then, out of nowhere, a man appeared on the trail in front of me. Now, when I say out of nowhere, that's exactly what I mean. These woods aren't that dense, and usually you could see people from far away, and they didn't really surprise you. The man was dressed head to toe in brown and tan colours, and he gave a weak, hey, and he didn't make eye contact. 
The way he dressed struck me, because everything but the tree tops were brown. As he passed, I took a few more steps and turned around because he made me uneasy, and now he's behind me, but he was gone. I could see probably 50 feet of the trail behind me, there's no reason I shouldn't be able to see him. My kid brain started going, maybe he's a ghost, no, maybe he's hiding, there's no way, I wouldn't be able to see him immediately after passing each other. Maybe he was hiding in front of me before he came out of nowhere, maybe that's why he's wearing all browns blend in. My dog didn't want to greet him like everyone else in the world. It didn't take long for my dog and I to go running off all the way home. Thank god I had my goofy dog because he was pretty aloof but also protective. For all I know, maybe the disappearing woods man watched me take my dog out of there every day and saw me wandering that day. I don't know what that man wanted with me and if he'd done anything if I didn't have my dog. It terrifies me to think what could have happened since I was so weak and obviously this man was stronger than me. If he wanted to kill me or do anything bad to me, he could have done it so easily.